Okay, everybody, let's take it from the top. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. A bit has prepared itself during the intro, and I was not ready for this. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to D Plus Us. I'm one of your hosts, Scrivage and El Griffey D and with me as always is Mitch. Mitch, what the hell are you doing? You're, you're, you're muted, Mitch. You're saying words, but you're muted. I figured it out, but you can't tell that it's me because I'm covering part of my face, but not most of it, so you can still tell that it's me, right? Mitch, we're an audio show. We have YouTube now. <laughs> What's up, folks? Welcome back to D Plus Us, the show about all That's things. That's kind of energy you're getting tonight, all, right? It's the show about all things Disney. This is a weird-ass, going to be a weird-ass episode. Hey, Strap in. Disney movie. We're talking about it. It's happening. Strap in for another one of, Mitch, of Mitch's decision, decisions. Hi, uh, man. You give us some weird calls on this on this show, man. Oh yeah, and this might have been been one of the best ones yet because we're talking today about Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. This movie happened and released, and was money was spent on producing and distributing this. Unfortunately, we are not talking about the 2003 video game that this movie is based off of. That apparently people That's love. Different. I don't know. I've never played it. <laughs> different podcast i feel like i rented it back in the day from a blockbuster and never finished it because i don't finish video games mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm sure we will talk on- about we will talk about video games a good amount because i think that this actually relates to something i am playing right now so i i kind of want to fold it into this conversation it's spoiler alert. i mean there is an assassin's creed, it's moment assassin's creed mirage. Mirage. Yeah. Um, which is very good about its casting which we will get to in just a second because folks we are talking like i mentioned about prince of persia the sands of time I'm going to hit you all with all of the stats in just a second, but first of first of all, wow, words are, like I said, interesting show. We got a rigmarole to go through. First and foremost, hi, what's up? Guess what? Strikes are not over yet. So, folks, we will continue to have our weekly show on hiatus until both strikes are solved and done. It seems like the WGA one is over. People have um, voted on it. Agreements have been reached. Over, like, Almost unanimously, I think it was 99%. Um, again, don't right. come to us for strike information. Um, second off, uh, yeah, we got other videos coming soon. We should have the next video essay coming out here in uh, a few weeks. Um, at the most, I am currently have a couple more books to work on, on for that, but keep an eye out for that. Um, that said, uh, when the when we, things get back to normal, we will start that weekly show up again. We will talk about some of the stuff that we've wanted to talk about, but we've chosen not to during the strike. So please keep an eye out for that stuff. In the meantime, we're going to continue to go through this backlog of stuff. Don't worry, folks. I promise we will get to a good movie eventually. It's not going to be this episode. It's not going to be anytime soon because, my goodness, we have a bunch of bad episodes in the backlog because... Uh, we don't want to promote the content that people want to promote right now, so we'll promote stuff that doesn't get any views whatsoever. I think we have a good one coming up, actually. It's very Halloween-y. Well, no, that. no, no, that's not a good movie, but the movie after that is no, actually pretty good, which we'll talk about that later. Uh, I've never seen it, but we'll we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's one of my Foreshadow. favorites or anything. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Prince of Persia. Let me hit you all with the facts. Uh, this was released on May 28th, 20. 20- 10 
budget of roughly 150 to 200 million with a box office of 336.4 billion. Yes, somehow this made money. Uh, runtime of 116 minutes. Uh, based off of, like we mentioned, the Prince of Persia video game franchise created by Ubisoft. Uh, directed by Mike Newell. And I'll tell you what, I, I want to hate Mike Newell for this movie. I really do. But he also directed Four Weddings and a Funeral, which if you haven't seen it, is fantastic. Either watch his original rom-com or go watch the series version. They're both fantastic. Um, I will say as well, like he he has directed a tentpole film for another franchise that I don't want to discuss here. Um, but it is my favorite in that franchise. Um, we'll I would, yeah, I would say so, you are far from far from the only person that has that opinion. It is, it is yeah. easily the best. Um, I, I think the other thing too is looking at this film and when it released, that that summer of Disney was kind of wild. Oh yeah, where... we are going to get into that. Okay, we'll get into it then. I'll because I'll, yeah, I'll, twenty ten uh, was a weird weird year for disney stuff just not even just like disney live action just disney in general in 2010 was a very strange year because it's all over it's all over the place Um, there's some hits and there are some serious misses yeah this is somewhere in between closer to a miss no it is not it is very much on the miss it's still made money spectrum so uh yeah let's get into the (laughs) here's probably the uh the biggest sticking point of this movie. Let's talk about the cast. This movie, again, Prince of Persia, stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Who uh, had but, to work in a British accent for a film that takes place in the Middle East. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ben Kingsley, uh, Gemma Archerton, and a man who I genuinely forgot was in this movie, Alfred Molina. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to the other mainstay of uh, terrible uh, films that exist on Disney Plus, and uh, you were going to mention uh, Tony Ka- or Toby Kebbell. Also, I guess in this movie, but remember Fantastic Four? Remember Fantastic Four? And then the fact that that movie came out. Don't make me do it. I will add Fantastic Four to our list. Do it because if we're talking bad movies for the next little bit till the strike ends, that has to be at the top well, of the Disney talking, bad movie list. Are we not talking yes, we bad are. movies? We're just talking yes, about we are. old movies, and a lot of them just happen to be bad because you have picked some very strange decisions. They're not strange. I'm specifically picking bad movies. But you made me watch Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion, I made you watch The Greatest Showman. No, that was the blessing. You gave me a great episode from that. So, it was a y'all should go watch that. That's so the last episode. It was great. I was um, gonna say, yeah, go take a look at that one. If you no, yeah, already. Toby Campbell's in this, but no, it was one of those things where Alfred Molina pops up in this movie, and I just start laughing because I totally was like, of all the people to pop up, even in a movie that is so horribly whitewashed, Alfred Molina was the last person I was expecting. Yeah. Not the only Disney tentpole film for him to appear in in twenty the summer of twenty ten. Uh, yeah, what a what a summer. Here's the thing about twenty ten, Mitch. Twenty ten also me. gave me like one of my favorite Disney film one my favorite Disney film and one of my favorite films ever. It gave me my favorite pick or er, probably me- top two Pixar films. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Like looking. Let's let's just jump right into that before. And also, the worst Pixar film came out the following year. So like, highs and lows. Wait, what came out the following year? Ours too. Oh right. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's talk about 2010. The summer of 2010 had two just absolute bangers from Disney. Yeah, it did. The other one, which funnily enough, we have an episode on. Great episode because it's a fun movie. Uh, the summer of 2010 goes as follows uh prince of persia the sands of time toy story 3 and the sorcerer's apprentice no (laughs) which is like so but it gets better because earlier that year out the alice in wonderland remake came out (laughs) yeah we we need to do an episode at some point on toy story 3 because for me like i mentioned that being for me like top two three pixar films um i think up has taken that spot just getting married i think has changed my perspective on that film but Toy Story 3, to put this into perspective, it came out in June of 2010. It came out the week that I finished high school. Like the yeah, it's week like weirdly to, the, to the day. Like that movie hit at a very specific time in my life that really messed with my head. Yeah, it is. It is a fantastic movie. It really is. We, something we should do an episode on for sure. I want to hit a couple more of the movies that came out in 2010, though, because I feel like by putting out Prince of Persia and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, you might think that 2010 was a bad year for Disney movies, and you would be very, very wrong. Um, not technically a Disney movie. It is a Studio Ghibli movie, but I want to shout out Tales from Earthsea here just because I love it. It was, it was distributed um, by Disney, but it was a, yeah. a Ghibli joint. Mm-hmm. And it's not something we can talk about on the show because it's on HBO Max. Um, but 2010 That'd was be a also... crossover episode. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get McKenna back on. Um, McKenna's a friend of ours, by the way, who hosts... Or I don't know if she's doing the show, I gotta ask. Uh, HBO Max. Um, but no, this was the year that Tangled came out. Yes, it is. And it's also the year that Tron Legacy came out. Which... That movie is an interesting one as that well. I'd love to do an episode with you on that. It's a great movie with a great soundtrack with a terrible Jeff Bridges CG. So character. we do have an episode up of it already. Uh, we did back-to-back oh. episodes of the original Tron and Tron Legacy. But hey, maybe this Jared Leto Tron might be happening. So I just want, I just want an excuse to watch the movie again, to be it's honest. A movie. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Um, oh my god, Daft Punk killed it. Yeah, it's... Uh, it was 2010 was a very like strange year looking back on it because it's like here's some bangers. Uh, also, uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty came out, which was a documentary, documentary about the creation of Sleeping Beauty, and it's actually really good. Um, you know, where be wary of it. Uh, actually, I would say be slightly less wary of this than some of the other Disney documentaries because Disney did not have nearly as much of a hand in the creation of it, but. Yeah, that's always the hard part, right? When we talk about like documentary content on Disney Plus, where it's like, oh, Disney clearly produced this. There, there are some moments that are really good. Like I felt like the Imagineering story was a documentary that did get into some more of the troubled times of the Walt Disney Company, mm-hmm. specifically around Imagineering. Not nearly as much as you would like, but it, it did. But you, then you look at something like Behind the Attraction, which we're getting a second season of that I'm very excited for. But that is very much the, hey, this is an advertising for our theme parks. Why don't you go to the theme parks? And There's also that one really bit behind the attraction me. where they just straight up stole an animation from a YouTube video. Yeah, there was that too. <laughs> uh, good show. Really, legitimately good show. We do have 
we you had to put those up with uh, weekly episodes when we were audio only. Maybe we should bring some of those to the to the YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Just put like a little like sound wavy thing. I don't know. Decision to be made. Let's bring it back. Where are we are. We, we clearly don't want to talk about this movie. No, I really want to talk about this movie because it's such a middling action movie. This just. Actually, no. It's a perfect. It's a, it's a perfectly two thousands action movie. Of it is a middling is, action movie with little plot that is extremely whitewashed. This and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, both co-productions with Jerry Bruckheimer Films, and it shows were both attempts by the Walt Disney Company to say, "Hey, Pirates of the Caribbean worked, right? Let's just do that exact same thing again in a different setting." This and it very clearly did not work for these two films. Yeah, this movie was supposed to spawn a series because uh, I think they wanted to follow this up with Prince of Persia: Warriors Within, Warrior Within, mm-hmm. which is the sequel game. Um, or it's. Uh, I think it's Warrior Within, then the Two Thrones, but I'm not entirely sure. It is, sure. yeah, Warrior Within, um, Two Thrones, and then it kind of went but off the much, rails. But yeah, it just it didn't make enough money for that. Even though when it came out, this was the highest grossing video game film adaptation. Do you know what beat ended up beating it first, Mitch? Obviously, the nothing's going to beat Mario at this point, but no, Mario Two will beat Mario. Maybe. Did something beat it before Sonic? Yes. It was beat in 2016. So it was Detective Pikachu then? No. Detective Pikachu did uh, not come out in 2018. 2018? I think 2018? So. That's pre pandemic. 2016. I think you might have forgotten that this movie exists. Nah. Is it? No. It, that's too late for Doom. I think Doom came out before this movie. That would track. Doom gives me the vibes of early 2000. I'm going to look it up. Okay, let's play. Let's play a game with this. Um, video like console, like which console PC. family does PC? Yeah, Doom came is out it in the Warcraft movie. It is Warcraft. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, Doom came out in two thousand five. I did not forget that movie came out. I just never saw it. I I think I saw like parts of it, but didn't I didn't because really. I also didn't play World of Warcraft. So I didn't die there, but it was just you know fantasy film. Like that's why I like I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons a lot through the pandemic, but it stopped. But when that that D and D film dropped, I'm like this just looks like fun fantasy. That was a great movie. Action and it was great. The D and D movie might was very be, much not that. The D and D movie might be the best fantasy movie we've had in the last like decade. Yeah, that tracks. And that's not yeah, even the like, Percy Jackson movies weren't very good. The horrible, absolute garbage, and those also wouldn't Sorry, be fantasy had, movies, but. <laughs> I will take any chance I get to shit on those movies, which we will be talking about those movies come December. Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Remember that? That that, that existed. I blocked that out of my memory, Mitch. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. It just kind of fell out of my head. You know, no, that that movie popped up into something. Oh, no, you know why I think think it popped up is I was doing research for this episode on the whitewashing of Prince of Persia. Yes, because Christian Bale is Moses and Joel Edgerton is Ramsey. Yeah, which uh, are choices that were also similar choices were made here. And yeah, well, no, I I do want to talk about this because we there was a ton of public backlash at the time. The movie still made a lot of money, but I feel like this was one of the catalysts to better representation in film. Yeah, it was. It's funny uh, how this movie was this in 
this movie in Exodus were so bad about their whitewashing that they started to make things better. Yeah. Um, something we're going to start doing. This kind of started from last week's uh, Great Shobin episode that I want to kind of keep doing the more we shows we have is I do want to start adding like some secondary content, some articles and videos and stuff for the folks that are interested. I will put them in the show notes in the, in the description. Um, but there's a couple on here. One in particular, which is the whitewashing segment from John Oliver's last week tonight, um, which is a fantastic, extremely poignant um, explanation of like what the hell is going on that came out seven years ago. And is still extremely poignant. Uh, it came out so long ago, Mitch, that they don't do this segment on the show anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that and show's it's... been around for ages. Oh, my God. Getting getting that show back. Uh, I haven't watched this week's episode yet because I haven't gotten back into the routine of watching it since the writer strike has ended. I had forgotten but that. By golly, back. am I glad that John Oliver is back. My goodness. Yeah, he's a gem. No, I um, got that. And surprise... then we also have an article up from The Atlantic that is titled... Um, why is a white actor playing Prince of Persia title role? That kind of goes into a little bit more of the decision here. Uh, and some of the actual like quotes from directors and actors and stuff, I think is extremely good to be reading. If you are curious at all about some of this, because it is certainly a weird decision, both Gyllenhaal, Arterton, Molina, all of these, Ben Kingsley, all of these major actors. It is really weird that any of them, frankly, are in this movie. Uh, I think, it was Variety, I want to say, um, or the Hollywood Reporter that did an interview with Jalen Hall a few years ago, where he said that this film and its reception and his portrayal of this character are the reason that he went like 15 years, roughly this without 2010, not not 15. So he went almost a decade without taking a role in a tentpole studio film because he didn't want to have this happen again. The next major role he took on um, for a studio film was Mysterio in Far From Home. Well, Everything so else was smaller movie. stuff or, or or things that were more catered to a niche audience or more character-driven pieces and not these tentpole studio blockbusters. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to, to look at his like career trajectory where, based uh, on this film. Quickly looking up when Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal broke up. <laughs> Which was That's in probably also which also which very much did not help him. <laughs> no, um, um, but that's also entirely his fault. Another th- an- another thing about this, I want to just circle back to the John Oliver writers' strike thing because this was another film that survived the writers' strike in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and there were a lot of projects that were canceled because or retooled or rebooted or just shelved due to that strike. Why wasn't this one of them? There is some legitimately there are some legitimately fun things about this movie. There, there are, are, but most of them are just elements pulled from Assassin's rock. Creed. Well, guess what Assassin's Creed was based off of, Mitch. Um, yeah, but then they also made that movie. Remember how that did? Oh God, starring uh, shoot, what's his name? Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender thank you. I just wanted You're to welcome. say second Magneto. No, I do think that there are some fun things in this film. Um, story sucks. Let's just say it as it is. Aside from the whitewashing of the cast, uh, the story sucks. It's not good. Cinematography is great. Some of the shots here are fun. Uh, uh, they, actually, no, it ranges. Some of the shots are great, but some of them are absolutely horrible. But the shot you mean when like they the have gratuitous use of slow mo. It's hilarious to me. Um, it's not. It's so. It bad. is not even like normal slow mo. It is the slow mo where you lose frames. 
Um, yeah. Now, they some of the shots where they, they just wanted to lengthen the film. Some of the shots work. where they actually like uh, use some of the video game stuff, particularly in some of the fight scenes with a lot of Destin's, uh, Destin's uh, parkour. Uh, I do think yeah. like legitimately are kind of cool. I think the stunt performance in this is actually pretty great. Um, there was aside one really from that, cool that's moment. all this movie got. Yeah, like there's one moment when the temple is collapsing or whatever, and he's like sliding down in the sand where he does this like really cool backflip. And like that was neat. It is a but good, it is that. the one good use of slow-mo. But then you have that paired very shortly thereafter with a scene of him fighting one of the assassins. And the assassin just does like a Dracula thing where he spreads his arms and flies backwards out of nowhere without any momentum. It's just like, oh, look, I'm on a wire now. Well, you like, see, bitch, the game what? had flying enemies. So they had to make a character fly at some point. <laughs> But they didn't explain it. It just kind of happened. They didn't like explain the anything the about the thing, and this dude just kind of flies. Like, which is like, ugh. they didn't explain anything about the assassins in this, which is kind of hilarious to me. I almost wish they had like fully committed to the bit and just put them in the classic Assassin's Creed white cloaks, because it would have been funny at that point. Um, no, like obviously this movie sucks, and it's like it's. Every, I think the it's thing about it is like, like it's a disappointing film because there's so much potential to this property. And I feel like this film made today or this film made with a different creative vision could be something really special. I think this film made today would have been actually great. Um, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, the game, not the movie, the game is a beloved, beloved game. Uh, people love this shit. It is a revolutionary game in terms of uh, Ubisoft, the company that made it. Because it really is what set them to create Assassin's Creed and create their most well-known franchise. Um, arguments can be made for a couple of their other games, but I don't think anything dwarfs the power, at least in their backlog, dwarfs the power of Assassin's Creed. Which is interesting. Watching this movie and playing Assassin's Creed Mirage right now which takes place in Baghdad um, and Assassin's Creed Mirage being fantastic when it comes to casting decisions. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a video game, mind you. Um, so it's not the same media, but I also have to put, I always try to put the preference on video games that I work in video games. So I have a biased opinion when it comes to video games, but the casting decisions on in this game are fantastic and amazing and respectful of the place that the game takes place. It's something the Assassin's Creed games are very good at, despite so much happening at Ubisoft as a studio. Uh, I would tell you to look into it. Yeah, which is kind of wild because a lot of this groundwork was set in a game that took place in like the Nordic region. And like for that to carry through to this is pretty impressive. Yeah. So yeah, Assassin's Creed Mirage was is was originally a DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which takes yeah the seeds place, were planted as part of Valhalla. Yeah, which is a game about a group of Norse Vikings uh, laying siege to England, um, and a lot of this has come from previous Assassin's Creeds. I would tell you that probably the jumping off point to really this great push at. Um, I would tell you that Assassin's Creed has always had a hand at making these great pushes towards this historical accuracy to some degree. Uh, the game is still very much alternate history. Um, but I would tell you this goes back to Assassin's Creed Origins. 
um, which is the game that took place in Egypt. Um, and it's been very, very good about those casting decisions. So it feels really weird playing that while also watching this movie. Of it's like, here's a really, really good example, and here's a really, really bad example. <laughs> it does, though, lend itself to the 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 way things have progressed with regards to casting decisions, looking at something from 2010 versus something cast probably in 2020, 2021. Oh, absolutely. So These roughly, are... roughly a decade later, there's been a lot of positive change that well, we're I talking think... like 20, probably 2019 ish. Oh probably, yeah. If we're looking at was... Valhalla's casting. This was, yeah. Again, this was originally DLC. Um, all speculation there, but like it is, it does very much speak to the time. And I think that, to some degree, we are comparing apples and oranges here. Uh, but on the actual like Prince of Persia side of it as well, uh, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time, is getting a remake at the moment. Uh, we'll see if it ever actually comes out. It has been a tortured development. Is it though? Um, is it though? But they're, one of the things they made a good point for is they're recasting the game um, yeah. to actually have that pop- proper representation. They're putting out a Prince of Persia game next year. Um think in january february january um, i think it's january yeah middle of january yeah january 18th to be specific i wrote this down so i wouldn't forget the name uh yeah prince of persia the lost crown the lost crown uh which i'm super excited for the game's amazing i've played it at pax um, it looks incredible i can't wait that's gonna be an early birthday gift to myself but they made a point on the casting of that one as well and like I think casting has gotten significantly better since the creation of this. I mean, it's something we talk about a lot in Marvel movies um, because of what we talk about here on the show. But like casting has gotten significantly better than this. And I think it's a good thing that we don't have to have this conversation nearly as much anymore. Now the issue is more, why aren't you recognizing anybody but the white actors? I, I think it is still good to have this conversation to realize that these poor decisions were made a decade ago, which feels like forever. But I had a moment that, th- this evening where I thought I was old for not recognizing a song that released in 2009. So, like, even though it's been more than a decade, it still can feel like yesterday at times, especially for us old geezers. So we're not that far removed from times where you saw a lot of whitewashing in film where it wasn't necessarily, you know, casting white actors in roles meant for people of color, but looking back at things like blackface and some of the other terrible things that we've seen in cinema throughout the years. And this stuff is as entirely fo- gone. I feel like that's the no, really it's important not. thing to mention here. Um, and, and like like, like the format's only been around in color for... I mean, one of the big things I jumped to is like, is the, the Oscars. Um, I think it was, yeah, last year. Oscars so white. Um, Yeah. Where it was like, where particularly in supporting actress, the award went to Jamie Lee Curtis when you had multiple women of color. Oh, sorry. Um, I got a little nepotism uh, caught in my throat. Yeah. You have multiple women of color who'd had significantly better roles that everybody knew had significantly better performances in their roles and whatnot. And they still gave it to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Nepotism is absolutely still alive in Hollywood. Racism and sexism are absolutely still alive in Hollywood. It's just not nearly as bad as it was in 2010. Uh, It has gotten better in 13 years. It has gotten better. Uh, we let's, have our own issues. We have, we have different issues. The now. issues are still, yeah. Like there are, um, there are still 
issues and we need to make sure that still when we're issues. seeing these sort of yeah when we're seeing these terrible things that we're continuing to call it out mm-hmm. and reminding people of mistakes that were made in the past makes it easier not to make those same mistakes again yeah i think we've i think we've belabored this point enough um yeah things are better things not much else to talk about. get better yeah again we have to talk about the fucking movie mitch no, we don't, because the movie is terrible. It has a terrible plot. It uses a really bad slow-mo. There's an underlying romantic theme to it that doesn't need to exist, but it does anyway because of arranged marriage, and it's just not good. Not good. You know, it's funny. The arranged marriage part is the part that's so unimportant to the movie that you can almost forget weird. about it. It is weird. And then you remember point, this was fucking Persia, dude. Like, it was, but still, like, having a movie that you wrote in 2010 to say, hey, my eldest son already has multiple wives, so let's give this woman who is essentially a political prisoner as a gift to my youngest son, who is also an orphan that I pulled off the street. You do realize arranged marriages still happen today, right? I know, and they're still really fucked up. It's still really fucking weird. It's just such a non-point in this movie. It is a it is a thirty second thing at the beginning and a thirty second thing at the end. Like that is really it. It yeah, we'll get into it. Let's talk about the plot. Of course, folks, this is the part where we will go through the plot beat by beat and have a good time and whatnot. So, or I'll have a great time good. and Mitch will be in pain. Because here's the thing about this, Mitch, is I get to recap these in whatever way I want. <laughs> Look, I watched the majority of this film on public transit today, so it's fresh, baby. Let's do it. I watched it while organizing comic books in, a, in another room. Um, seriously, I listened to like 15 minutes of this film because I just didn't want to bother watching it. Uh, well, I, I messaged you last night of like, I can't record this any earlier than today just because I can't bring myself to watch this. The first, the only way I could watch it was stuck in a metal tube underground with no internet. Here's service. the thing. Once this movie gets going, I'm fine. The first... 10 15 movies minutes of this movie are really really bad um so there's dastan uh he is our main character he is jake gyllenhaal but he's not jake gyllenhaal yet he is a child uh he is a street urchin in persia who was adopted by king sharman who's also played by a white man (laughs) um uh it's because he has the heart of a noble or some bullshit it's just like really really concerning shit so i think the it makes sense once you know the further plot of the film where Dustin was standing up for a kid in the street when all else seemed lost. And you look at the relationship that the king had with his brother, how he saved his brother when they were younger. And the it parallels still doesn't between... make what he says to the kid any less weird. I mean, yeah, yeah, that tracks. Um, but yeah, he adopts him as his own, seeing him a lot of um the qualities he wants in a prince within the kid, so he adopts him. Uh, and he raises him along his biological sons, Tuss, his eldest, and Garciv, his... I don't actually know now that I think about it if Garciv is, is younger or older than Daston, but it doesn't really matter, because they're both not he... the king. Yeah. Um, None of it matters. When, spoiler alert... None of it's made clear. All of these characters are going to die, and then not die. It's going to be a great time. First, first um, stupid so, thing. They all cover their face like this. Only like half of them cover their face. Also, great use of the sweatshirt, just subtly showing the uh, maple leaf. Uh, Look, I gotta, I gotta rep my boys in blue. All right, they took home a win tonight against Canadians. Just opened their season. It wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. That's a great season opener, though. Um, 
It was very stressful to have to watch, but it is the reason I have this weirdly positive energy about me. Fair enough. Um, anyways, now that we have to know these children, let's ignore these children and fast forward into the future by 15 years. The future. Dastan, Tuss, and Garsiv are out uh, looking for uh, traitors to the Persian Empire. Um, they are coming across the holy city of Alamut. Um, they have heard rumors. Uh, a spy who has been sent by uh, the king's brother Nizam uh, have given us evidence that there are weapon forges that are being that are making uh, weapons for the few enemies of the empire. So they're like, okay, well, Dad wouldn't want us to attack the holy city, but I'm gonna That's do it anyway. Right <laughs> so, um, so yeah. They start to attack the Holy City. Tuss puts together this fantastic plan, and Garsiv is uh, concerningly energetic to get into battle. Uh, he wants the honor of first kill, as they were, or first blood, as they were calling it. Um, meanwhile, Daston is like, hey, let me and my crew of motley criminals and people who clearly have the abilities of those people in the Assassin's Creed video games uh, to climb over walls and kill people in silence. Let us go first so we can open up a way so less people have to die. That's not actually, like, strategically thinking this shit through. Um, knowing that killing the people of Alamut helps nobody. Um, anyways, they all attack. It's actually kind of cool. Uh, we get some cool action stuff here. One of my favorite bits here is when Daston is climbing up the wall and they're, like, shooting the crossbow bolts into the wall as he's climbing. Yeah, it was it's dope. a cool thing. Um, there, there are some fun moments here. They use the they use the setting in interesting ways, and then the actors start to talk, and the, it becomes very evident that this film was in trouble um, due to the rights and rewrites that probably took place due to the WGA strike in two thousand seven. Yeah. Um. Now, we do get some cool action here, like I mentioned, the crossboats. Uh, it's a lot more silent action in the beginning, and then everything goes to shit. Um, there's a great scene here where Daston has to, like, pull down a vat of oil and then lights it on fire. and It's very, very video gamey in, like, a very good way. Um, it's one of those things where, like, some video game movies, like, some video games like Prince of Persia, lend themselves to action scenes very well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great great bit for that. While all this is happening, uh, we do cut over to Princess Tamina, uh, who is trying to prepare things. It gives a guard a sacred dagger, telling him to protect it. The guard tries to leave the city, but as he's leaving the city, he gets attacked by Daston. They fight, and Daston wins. Not before, though, uh, the guard kills one of his friends. So Daston kills him and takes the dagger. Um, Alamut eventually falls. Uh, and Princess Tamina is faced by uh, Tuss, uh, Dastan, and Garsiv, and Nizam. Uh, they're like, we have no weapon forges. But Tuss is like, okay, well, in that case, I want you to marry me. You don't get a choice. You have to say yes. Um, it's fucking weird. Um, I feel like that's the issue, more of the issue I have with this, is less that the arranged marriage of it, it's more of the Tusk forcing himself upon her in this way. 
Um, yeah, it's it's it just it doesn't sit well. I don't know general. enough about history to know how commonplace this was back then. I know I arranged it, I marriage and multiple wives were fairly commonplace, but I would not be surprised if this was commonplace in older times. I I don't give a shit about historical accuracy. It's still fucking weird for a movie in 2010 to be talking about this. Shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just like kind of. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying I to figure out. Away of like, I'm trying to figure out why says this was okay this. because it was never okay. So yeah, that's not what we're. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just like talking about it. Yeah. No, when know, it comes to the actual writing of this, and because again, some of this is ta- bits and pieces of this shit is taken from the games. Uh, the game story is significantly different. Uh, but I'll you know some of the stuff is the same. The dagger, the princess, etc. Um, all that happens. Banquet. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, right off the bat, he Tuss tries to take the dagger from Daston. But it doesn't end up happening. He's off to go find these um, these forges. But as he's doing so, uh, his father is coming to town. He does give Daston, though, a gift to give to their father, as is tradition. He gives him a robe of one of the uh, priests. I think it was like a high priest or something. Someone high up. Um, it doesn't matter. Daston gives it to their father after his father gives this whole big spiel and speech about how much he loves his son. Um the robe, however, is poisoned, killing him. Uh, very brutally killing him. Gaston, uh, Garciv instantly uh, accuses Did you say Gaston? Gaston? Look, I got Garciv and Daston right next to each other. Can you blame me? Okay, then you go with brother one, brother two, and Jake Gyllenhaal, which is how I'm going to refer yeah, to them. Garciv and Jake Gyllenhaal. any of these names, because none of them Fuck, matter. Uh, who Garciv's actor? Uh, who do he play in Fantastic Four again? Doctor Doom. So it's Doctor okay, Doom, Doom, Jake Gyllenhaal, and the other guy, and the and the, the King Dad, the Lord King of the Brother. Rings dude, like the Carl Urban Lord of the Rings character knockoff, King Brother. Okay, so Doctor Doom and Jake Gyllenhaal. Doctor Doom blames Jake Gyllenhaal for uh, the death of the king, who proceed. He then Jake then proceeds to flee along with Tamina. Um, Tuss is appointed king, uh, with his right hand being Nizam, uh, his the king's brother who's been here for this whole process who is kind of the trusted advisor of all three brothers. Um, Daston goes into hiding. Uh, Tamina, we get this back and forth for probably about 30 to 45 minutes of this movie, where Tamina is consistently trying to kill Daston to steal the, and steal the dagger. Um, upon this first struggle, though, Daston learns the powers of the dagger, that upon hitting the button at the end of the hilt, uh, the wielder can travel back in time. So can I just interject here real real quick? Um, every time you say Tamina, it makes me think of professional wrestling. Um, and not just because we watched the trailer for The Iron Claw before this, which is a new A24 film starring Zac Efron that looks friggin' amazing. Uh, Tamina is the ring name of uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka's second daughter in the WWE. So anytime I hear that, I just think professional wrestling. You're really I just thought you wanted to know that. Yeah. Real, real great, real great aside, Mitch. I still got like half this plot left, just so you know. Oh, thank God. It's only half. I'll make it longer if you want. You want me to make it longer? No, no, we're already 40 minutes into this and I'm crashing. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, we're learning to go back in time, and at which point to me, it's like, well, shit, now he knows he has to die. Um, anyways, they continue to fight each other, but eventually they are captured by a group of merchant bandits led by 
Sheikh Amar, uh, who again played by Alfred Molina, uh, who is seeking the the reward the reward money from that for them. Uh, particularly, he initially captures Gaston, who then makes a deal with him for the princess. Then he double crosses him because money. It's it's typical typical movie crap. Um, what's funny enough here amongst all of this is that she Kumar has set up this reputation for himself and his band of people to be like these bloodthirst killers of like avoid this areas and it's all just a scam to avoid paying taxes on his ostrich races he honestly the most relatable character in this entire film of just small business owner trying to avoid paying taxes but also kind of a piece of shit oh yeah but i mean people are just pieces of shit in general so like Hmm. i'll blame him for that yeah, he also, I believe, yeah, he all, we also hear meet Seso, who is one of the best characters in this movie. Uh, Seso is a knife thrower. Uh, it is kind of, he is uh, Shiekamar's uh, muscle. Uh, he also has one of the best, he barely, barely speaks in this movie. He has maybe four or five lines, but one of his lines is one of the best lines in this movie, which yeah. is when Shiekamar is like, rambling about something he's like has anyone ever told you that you talk too much (laughs) it's great which is heartbreaking because that leads to a scene where he sacrifices himself to get the dagger only for the entire very bloody affair to get rewound which we will get to in a second yeah because this whole movie is very bloody a lot of people die um but it's kind of part of the point of the time travel of this movie um they're, they weirdly they weirdly early on accept that, hey, these people might die, but we can bring them back. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> Even though they're not like really, they don't really know that they can do that. I feel like they're, they like writing wise, they just accepted it. Um, anyways. So yeah, they escape the ostrich races uh, by causing a riot and have decided that they need to go to the king's funeral so that Daston can meet with Nizam to help convince his brother, the king, of his innocence. Um, we go there. It's actually a great little scene here. Uh, some more parkour, him sneaking in, they talk to Nizam, they have this moment with Nizam, like, hey, I need your help to prove that I'm not the killer. Oh no, your hands are burned with by poison that was very similar to the poison on that coat. You were the killer. How coincidental. How coincidental that nobody noticed that but in the, what, week plus that he spent in the desert between that incident and this meeting. I don't think anyone else cared. Unless dude pulled like a Michael Jackson wore gloves at all times other than during this scene well, or also, something like, stupid like real, that. Like, bitch, like, remember, he put the coat on him. Like, Daston put the coat on the king. He brought the coat for the king. It very and much looks like he did it. It's still stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to disagree, but when like you have that evidence in front of you at a time that does not nah, have nah. like b- most of the evidence shit we got now, makes sense. Right, you keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll be back in a moment. Yeah, you keep for doing it. your plot thing. So here's the thing, folks. We're actually just going to wait. And we're going to make Mitch have to sit through all of this because I think it's kind of funny listening to him complain about this movie. But while he's gone, I'm going to take a quick second here, folks, to remind you of, hey... What's up? You on the podcast? Thank you for listening to the podcast. Head on over to the YouTube channel where you can see us and our faces. 
I also feel like a point that we need to mention amongst all of this is we've been talking a lot about the whitewashing of this movie, and Mitch and I are both very white. Uh, we are obviously not the best people to be talking about this kind of stuff. This was not the original intention of the episode. It's just kind of one of the realities of doing an episode on this movie. So, yeah, that's the stuff. That's kind of, I felt like that's an important caveat that we kind of forgot to mention earlier. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Mirage, and that game is really, really good. Um, do you want to just make a bit against Mitch so we can just, like, at the end, it's like, oh, no, yeah, we finished the movie. We can we can go on. I'm going to do that, too. I'm thinking it's going to be kind of funny. But, yeah. Yeah. Things are happening. I don't know where Mitch is going. I assume he has he had to use the bathroom or something. Alas, here we are. How's your day going? You doing good? I hope you're doing good. You deserve to be having a good day. I'll tell you what. Can we put up on the one? I have a one set up, like, just in case. Nah, I, I don't know. Oh, no, I do have it set up. Hi, folks. If you're on the video version, how's it going? Mitch is back now. I need to say, yeah, so Mitch, Mitch, welcome back. Uh, we, we have finished the plot of the movie. Oh, thank God. I'm just kidding. We have not progressed at all. Um, no, I was reminding some people of some of the key points, uh, particularly we've done all this talk about whitewashing, but we also probably should point out that you and I are both very white. Um, oh, super duper white. If you haven't watched any of the YouTube, like white guy with a beard checking in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, where were we? Oh, right. We just escaped the ostrich races. And then we talked to the the, the uncle, and he turns out to be a murderer. So, uh, <gasps> Destan no. flees yet again, uh, but realizes that... No, this is the part where he actually is able to flee with Tamina. He flees, like, three times. Two of them are with Tamina. One is not, um, because Tamina ran away already. Um... So yeah, Daston leaves, uh, and Nizam then goes to his covert group of assassins, the Hassans, the Hassan, the Hassan sentence. There we go. Assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, who we learn later in the film were ordered disbanded by the king, and that uh, Mandarin ended up, you know, going behind his back and making sure they didn't disband, and now they're kind of like his minions. Because he gives them stuff in exchange for them killing a bunch of folks for him. Yeah, they're just literally paid assassins. Um, it's certainly worth what it's for what it's worth, like history-wise. Looking into the order of the assassins, order of the assassins. It's interesting stuff, yeah. Especially, um, they have a history with uh, the Mongols that is particularly interesting. Uh, no, worth worth looking into. Um, if you ever want a solid Wikipedia rabbit hole. Anyways, he goes to them and they set off against, uh, Tamina and Dastan. While they're traveling, uh, they are deciding that they're like, okay, well, we've got the dagger. Let's try to go to their, uh, to their sanctuary and get rid of the dagger the way that it was pretold to, uh, the princess in prophecy. Uh, basically, yeah, we learned a little bit about the dagger as well. Yeah, the gift of the gods after they tried to, they sent their wrath as the sandstorm that was going to wipe out all of civilization and start again. And the um, purity of the first guardian of the dagger 
allowed like they chose to spare yeah, they the spared world the and girl. instead encased the sand in an hourglass and gave them a dagger which allowed them the magical properties even though it's not an hourglass sand, all of the a sand. Giant, it's a giant crystal uh the there's a lot of here the important bit though is that to return the dagger you must also give up your life for it is to give back the god's initial wish uh, which I do think is actually, or initial gift, which I think is a very interesting way of going about that. Um, it is, but also it it feels more like a plot device than anything else. And well, that's because it is. So, well, it also isn't something that's confirmed, right? We see that there's this exchange later between uh, the um, what what's his name in um, Iron Man three? It's not Mandarin. Oh, like, what's um, the actor name? Yeah, uh, Ben Kingsley. No, but what? No, what? Oh. What's the name of the actor that he is playing? The character that he's playing in those films? In those films? Oh, uh, Trevor, Slattery. Trevor, thank you. I needed the name Trevor. Um, so you got Trevor and uh, Mysterio having a conversation later, and where where Trevor's like, "Nah, it's all hocus pocus, mumboy jumboy, like um, folklore." And there really isn't a moment like there's a there is a part of that scene. that's like, oh, look, the sands ha- have been unleashed, kind of, even though it all rewinds eventually. Um, so there's some truth to that. But there's never any it, it doesn't feel like there isn't weight behind her saying, oh, I have to give my life to give this back. When through the entirety of the existence of this dagger and the promise of the guardians to keep the guardians of owls of Gahul, whatever their order order is called. Uh, to keep this thing safe, there's no evidence that this is what would happen. Interesting. So, I, I see where you're coming from. I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> no, I think I love I like joke aside. I actually legit love this. Um, this is something I think is really interesting because there is this level of mysticism to the dagger, right? And to the guardians yeah. and the story behind it up to the point where like when we get back to eventually the moment with uh, with King Brother he's talking about how this is blasphemy to their, their beliefs. Cause the, the thing about mysticism in particular and ancient myth is we never really know what's real and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was this part of it of like, Hey, you might die. You might not. Who's really to say, because th- to do this, there is no coming back from it. No one say, has ever had to do that it. risk. No, they instead try to make smoochy smooch. I don't know. His real to... Well, he tries to go smoochy smooch. She's legitimately trying to put the dagger in there. And also smoochy yeah. smooch. But no, I do like that. That's like, oh yeah, we don't really know if she would have died from this. Because mm-hmm. that's not the kind of thing that someone just was like, I'm going to test this to make sure. It was, no, we're going to believe this because if we try to prove it false we could die also we would lose the dagger so mm-hmm. um anyways they go to do that oh also as they're off to do that they once again get captured by um alfred molina when who proceeds to completely turn his tune when he learns that he can make money which again you gotta respect um they eventually go off to the temple uh, and get, proceed to get attacked by the assassins, uh, who just kill most of them. Um, before that, or the first attack they get, though, is this great moment um, where they're all attacked by snakes. And uh, 
Deston uses the dagger, and it's really cool when he uses it. Uh, and just, like, throws away all of these CG snakes. Um, That is cool. The actual visual effect of the sands in use with, like, the tiny whiny rewind stuff is neat. The actual effect on the character being, like, having this out-of-body experience looks like something straight out of a 2005 video game. It looks like Kingdom Hearts 2. I will not expect. I was going to say it looks like it looks like Prince of Persia, um, the two thrones. They didn't have the effect you have on the evil. Like that's one with the evil prince, right? I don't know. I didn't play these games. Which you didn't I play told the, you. Why didn't you only, play these games? Because I was a child. The, on, the only Prince of Persia game I actually played was Prince of Persia, the warrior within on the DS, which is why I'm so uh, excited for the new one, because it's also 2D. Uh, think, which, you remember that time, uh, by the way, where like DS games were actually just demakes of the other games? Yeah, so Prince of Persia, The Two Thrones. It, it, this is the one I probably played the most of, where there was this like evil version of the prince that used like a different... Remember Sonic 06 with the werehog thing? That's not Sonic 06. Try again. Uh, Sonic Unleashed? There you go. It was basically that, but with Prince of Persia. You upset the Sonic fan in me. So there was like a I, dark version of him that would come out of him at certain yeah, times? I'm, or? I'm trying to remember. Are we talking the more like plot. the same? Are we talking same person, different sides of him, or two separate people? No. So we, we find out that his use of the sand has led to this evil persona being created within him so at times when the sands have been overused or as a plot device you would end up switching perspectives and playing as the alt like the prince's alter ego this dark prince okay um, so yeah you, yeah you nailed it with the sonic unleashed then yeah um although it was sonic unleashed is weird because sonic um i don't need to bring out my sonic nerdness i'm not going to that's a bad idea which was the one where sonic kissed a girl that that's was 06. 06 right Okay. So yeah, Sonic. I knew it. I knew. I knew it was in my brain for some reason. Uh, Werehog is Sonic Unleashed. Theme Park is Sonic Colors. Um. Yeah. We can get into the storybook ones. Never. Um. Anyways, uh, oh yeah, while they're getting ambushed, uh, yeah, they ended up killing a bunch of people, uh, including Garciv. That's right, Garciv showed up. Uh. And dies. Garcev dies pretty brutally too. <laughs> um, but he does have that cool moment where he like saves dresses, his brother. Yeah. Similarly, they get to say goodbye. Dad saved his brother. Mm-hmm. Like the the parallels between that kind of from a plot perspective make a lot of sense. Where it's like, okay, all of these parallels that can be drawn between the king's relationship with his brother. It's like, how did um, Trevor end up in this state where he's such a dick? When all we see are these three brothers who took on the like the same family legacy, um, being less dickish to each other. Yeah, I assumed that it was one of those things of younger sibling who clearly isn't going to get the throne is annoyed when father brings in someone from the street. And then there's that growing resentment. But, you know, we never actually learn any of that because why would we? No, because this, this movie doesn't a... take time to explore character development. Just like, well, he saved his brother as a child. But if the, he had not done is... that, he would be king. So he's going to go back This is a 2000 action movie. They don't, yeah. They're not going to follow that kind of plot because they don't, frankly, they don't need to. 
It's um, Prince of or it's Pirates of the Caribbean. It's Sorcerer's Apprentice. The Pirates of the Caribbean it's, follows those plot lines, and that's what makes it special. Um, it's um, oh shit, there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue. What John Carter of Mars? No, National Treasure. That's the one. National Treasure does a decent job though of following Ophelia and its character development. It's it takes some weird leaps in logic. Though. I'm not going to disagree with especially that. the second one. Yeah. Well, that's also because I again alternate history. And that's also yeah. kind of what makes National Treasure special. Uh, as was detailed in our week-by-week week talking about uh, the National Treasure TV show. Top of your head, without looking at Disney+, Plus. what was the name of that show? I can't fucking remember. That's why I called it the National Neither Treasure I, TV show. I, I want to uh, say, Book like, of Secrets is the second one. Edge of History? That sounds right. That actually right, sounds really right. I check myself. Because I know Book it of does? Secrets is two. Edge of, Edge of History sounds I, right. I was going to say Book of Secrets, and I stopped myself. National Treasure. Edge of History, baby. You nailed it. Let's go. Let's, way to go. I should remember. We talked about it for like two and a half months. Yeah, now, hey, Mitch. Stop derailing the show. We got to talk about Prince of Persia. No, we don't. We're done. Are we not? It's almost no, been an hour. Let's just wrap it up. not done. We, have, we always shoot for about an hour. You know that. Or I know. I'm just tired. It's like after midnight here. I'm I said I was crashing 45 minutes ago. Well, we're so almost... Hey, yeah, look, Garthiv is dead, so you know how much movie is left. A lot. Too the much. The answer is a lot. <laughs> like, Too seriously, much. there's a solid, like, 40 minutes left of this movie after this point. Uh, anyways, we get this moment of uh, grief where we bury everybody. Uh, we get a little bit of humor here from Alfred Molina uh, and our boy, um, Cecil of say someone wants to go along with him and help him because he owes him at this point um again he's the homie so they're gonna go travel to alamut to warn tess of nizam uh and also get the dagger back because one of the assassins stole it in a really disgusting way that is also just casual animal cruelty in this movie um yeah because if you another thing i'd forgotten about before going to this movie uh one of the snakes from the snake man uh, eats the dagger as he steals it. Uh, and then the snake man takes the snake back to, um, Trevor to to Ben Kingsley. Um, and then cuts the snake open and pulls out the dagger. And you can see this moment of like Nizam, like hesitating before he grabs the dagger. And it's supposed to be like this moment of like, oh my god, I finally have it. But it totally looks like this moment of. Am I really about to grab this thing that was just on the snake's stomach? No, he's the bad guy. So, of course, he's cool with snake guts on his dagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the casual animal cruelty is another, like, okay. Yeah, not, that, that shit don't fly much. today. Mm-hmm. 2000s. Even if it's the end of the 2000s. But how's that make Did it feel? Did Peter complain about this movie? I feel like mm, Peter would have complained about this movie. Peter, Prince of... But here's Earth, the thing. Yeah. Who cares, if we're really being honest? Peter complains about pretty much anything and everything with animals. That's also true. Um, remember that one time that like Peter tried to shame people for eating meat. Remember that time they tried to shame people for playing Pokemon and put out a Pokemon clone. I forgot about that. That was weird, right? That's, like that, that was super playable? weird. I don't know. I'm gonna go find out while you continue putting us through this plot because I want to go to bed. Yeah, fair enough. Um. Anyways, they make their way to Alamut. Um, CISO sacrifices himself to get the dagger. Uh, 
he has in this duel essentially with the the dude that was shooting darts. It's a really cool duel between the two of them. It's like probably my favorite action sequence in the movie. Um, so he gets shot off, killing the dude. Gets up to the dagger, only to realize that he has three needles in his chest and is about to die. Uh, guards come in and are taking him, and he hucks the knife out the window and right into a tree next to the other three people. Um, it's great. They eventually get up to um, Tuss, and we have a. This is probably the one of the rare, cool moments of writing and acting in this that I really like. Um, of Daston trying to explain himself, explain the dagger, explain what's going on. Um, and while he's going in, um, Nizam shows up and uh, is about to, is, sorry, is like, hey, you're going to understand all of this. All you have to do is press this button and we'll read it one time. And then he stabs himself with the dagger. Uh, Nizam shows up. Daston's dead. Uh, Tuss is holding the dagger. Tuss hits the button, rewinds right to before Daston's about to kill himself, and he grabs his arm and stops him. Which is a pretty cool moment. It's a, it's, it really is great. I really do love this moment. And then it's followed up by Nizam showing up and killing Tuss. <laughs> because who cares? Um, so yeah, he kills, he kills King Brother. And it's really just on like a rage... He's just on a rage at this point. Um, he steals the dagger back, um, getting a good swipe at Daston, taking off. He has to, He's now found the uh, the temples where the sands are. He was taking it down there to uh, to basically destroy time. Uh, he wants all. He's doing it because he thinks he can get ultimate power, right? Because that's what every villain's motivations are before like twenty twelve. Um, we go back down. We go through a secret entrance with uh, Daston and Tamina. We get some of that classic, classic uh, Prince of Persia puzzles from this bit because uh, they had to put them in here at some point. Um, eventually, For they... all of 30 seconds. Yeah, before something screws it up almost immediately. Which, for real, though, is the most real shit for, for a video game. Yeah. Um, we fight a dude here. Uh, we get a backflip. We get some sand. Anyways, they eventually make it to the chamber. Um, Tamina sacrifices herself for Daston. Um, it's, it's this whole sad moment. Um, kind of, sort of. Not really. It's really hard to feel emotion when watching this movie. Um, eventually... Uh, it ends up being just Nizam and Daston. Uh, as they hit the button. Or, yeah, eventually, uh, yeah. Yeah, they hit the button, release the hourglass. Uh, and time it's rewinds. It's not that he one hits the button, he, like, opens the... They made a very clear point earlier in the movie, like, if you open the blade while it's in the hourglass, all hell breaks loose. And guess what they did? They opened the thing, and the sands did it. But all hell did not lose. Oh, no, no, no. Um, all hell kind of raised loose on that timeline. Um, it just sent Daston back. Um, 
yeah, it doesn't end up destroying the world. It actually sends Gaston back in time to the moment that he got the dagger, uh, which I do think was pretty cool. Um, he sees his friend uh, alive, um, his friend who was the first person to, like, the first kind of major loss for him in this play by Reese Ritchie. Um, we go up, and as they are marching on the uh, palace of... Shoot, what's the Alamut. name of the city? Yeah, thank you. Alamut. Uh, uh, mm, Alamut. Um, he stops everyone and is like, hey, here's what's going on. We've been lied to. Nizama's been lying to us. And I I love this scheme, because if, if Nizama just kept his cool through this scene, it would have been fine. It would have been all right. Would have been totally fine. No, because it would have gone to trial, and it would have come out that the or the the spy that had allegedly leaked this information was full of shit, and then they would have gone off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happily ever after. Well, yeah, but to do that, they would have had to. Face. To do that, they would have had to find the spy. And they were never going to find that spy because it was one of that the is assassins. Also correct. Yes. Um. Yeah, he would have been totally fine, mm-hmm. but uh, he tries. <laughs> he gets real mad and tries to kill Daston. <laughs> Who just... Yeah, which is going to work when you're surrounded by an army that is loyal to the king and the throne. It's great because they don't do shit. None of the like the some of Nizam's loyal soldiers attack Daston. Everyone else just clears the space. My club, but also <laughs> not really. Uh, yeah, Daston kicks all of their asses. Um, firmly... Almost like he's good at this war thing. Yeah, uh, Daston after kicking his butt, uh, Nizam tries to get one more blow to Daston uh, while he is talking to his brother. Uh, he's just about to kill him, and then Tuss ends up killing Nizam. Uh, so Ben Kingsley is now dead. And actually, the only casualty of this movie. Um, so eventually they go up and they're like, hey, Princess Tamina, sorry we did siege your city. We didn't mean... It, was, it wasn't on purpose. Um... <laughs> Uh, and it's like, we're sorry, as recompense, I guess, we propose to strengthen the two nations. Um, may I present to you my brother Daston for marriage? Um, I like this one significantly more because it is not necessarily as much of an arranged marriage so much as it is a... Hey, I'm Let's sorry. explore what this means for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a you're marrying this me. Get over it, like it is at the beginning. Um, it's almost like he cares about you know feelings there is, and people. There is it. consent to some degree no. in the second offer. <laughs> There's in not Persia? consent to the first one. Yeah. Again, well, again, That's history. Like, like the writing here is so inconsistent. Like, choose a track and stick to it, as good or bad as that might be, depending on the choice you make. Ideally, you make the good choice. But wait, so where are you saying it's Hollywood where, where they regularly make the wrong choice? What do you mean in terms of consistently? Because I feel like it's consistent. I feel like this movie is fairly consistent in making bad choices. Well, yeah, I mean, that's realistic. Because I, I, I like this because I like the change here because it's like not it's an apology, not a haha, we win. But alas, yeah, they have this moment of he returns the dagger to her. I think at that I think at that point Tamina realizes that there's more going on here. Um and they're like, okay, let's explore what this could possibly be with each other. And thus is finally Mitch the end of the movie. We've done it. 
you have survived. You've sent me an image. This is what I did instead of listening to that plot recap. I'm not surprised you didn't listen to me, but... I completed the Pokemon clone put out by PETA for the release of Pokemon Black and White. the trainer's resistance have succeeded in giving them a higher calling. I'm good. Fuck PETA. Uh, that's not like a particularly hard stance. I don't know anyone that likes PETA. The people in PETA probably like PETA. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because like I'm like heavily anti-animal cruelty. I just hate the organization PETA. Yeah, <laughs> you can be anti-animal cruelty and also be anti-PETA. Because you know what, I would say that you aren't truly anti-animal cruelty if you like PETA. But... Well, I, I think that okay. So this is going to be a, a rabbit hole that you may or may not want to go down. So stop me at any time. If I've it probably becomes... gone down. Trigger, already. trigger. No, no, this is legitimate trigger warning here um, for. Um, discussions of abortion and I don't care which end of the spectrum you you fall on with regards to that so I just wanted to put that out there that that's where this conversation is going to go for the next couple of minutes so be warned um, does it happen in your city where you have crazy people on the corner of streets with like placards of aborted fetuses like to scare people away from that because PETA to me feels like people that do that but for animal cruelty so, not exactly that. Okay, because we get um, a lot of that in Toronto, and it's not pleasant. But I also, you know, live in Portland, which is somewhat chill. I think Portland's where the Fetus Museum exhibit is. So That would track. That sounds very Portland. Where it was... Yeah, look look it up. Uh, I don't want to explain that on a Disney podcast. Um, no, I think we can move on. From I'll explain topic. it to you after the show because it is kind of yeah. hilarious. It, it, um, it is, but I don't know how much of it I'll retain given it's almost 1 a.m. I hope you don't retain any of it. Um, <laughs> uh, Sorry, got distracted by Alfred Molina's IMDb. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie impressive. is over. Good riddance. Mitch, I go to bed now. I have one a very important question for you. Should people watch this movie? No. <laughs> Hell no. Don't watch this movie. Uh, okay, so that's not... If you're looking for a movie to put on, turn your brain off, and you want mindless 2000, early 2000s action with some plot watch sprinkled the in there, Apprentice. watch The Sorcerer's Apprentice, but if you've burned out that your VHS copy of The Sorcerer's Apprentice... I think you could throw this on. It's it's not a bad like it's it's not a terrible movie. It's a watchable movie. It just it doesn't really do much of anything. Were these movies put on these movies weren't put on VHS, were they? When did Because these were twenty ten. When, when did the distribution of VHS stop? Is my question. Oh, that's what I want here. There should be if I go to the IMDb or not the IMDb the um okay so in 2010 this released on a single disc DVD a single disc Blu-ray disc and a three disc Blu-ray combo pack in the U.S. So I am mistaken it did not release on VHS. You know what I think I have VHS. I think I have this DVD actually. Now that I think about it, the last movie released on VHS was David Cronenberg's 2005 action thriller A History of Violence. Interesting. Um, yeah, oh, here's a I fun was... one. We, we, 
we, we played a similar game to this before we started recording. This is going to go in a very different direction. I found a list of the last 10 movies released on VHS. Do you want to take a guess I'm at not, any of the movies? Mitch, I'm not going to come close to any of these. Okay, so A History of Violence was the last film. So the other the nine. Spark notes. Saw 2. Uh, the Ryan Reynolds comedy Just Friends. The Jake Gyll- the Jake Gyllenhaal led Jarhead. See, I can make it relate back to the movie we're talking about. Um, Ice Harvest, which is a film I've never heard of. Yours, Mine, and Ours, which was, I believe, a Dennis Quaid led Cheaper by the Dozen ripoff. Uh, the Kira Knightley led Pride and Prejudice film. Uh, the Kira Knightley led film Domino, which was, I think, like a bounty hunter assassin kind of movie. <laughs> Another video game film. Can you name this one? Doom. Doom. Uh, the and the final film is the Antonio Banderas led Mask of Zorro. I know three of these movies total. Have you not seen the Mask of Zorro or the Legend of Zorro? The Mask of Zorro is one of the movies I know. Okay, Doom, Mask of Zorro, Doom, and Pride and Prejudice. Your, yours, mine, and ours. Really? Anyways, okay. folks, we're gonna wrap the show up now that Mitch has determined that we once again a fact that we've known. Mitch, Mitch is old. Um, just Friends is a great comedy starring Amy Smart and Ryan Reynolds. I'm just oh wait, sorry, like, so four. I have seen that. I have seen that. Okay, uh, Saw Two. Mitch, if people want to keep up with us in your oldness, where can how do you not you? know Saw Two? I have never seen Tattoo. How have you? It's one of the most popular horror franchises of all time. You've never seen Saw 2. I don't like the Saw franchise. They're not great. I don't know what to tell you, man. I love horror, but I hate Saw. T plus us on the socials and the YouTubes (laughs) and all the places you want to find us. Yeah, keep an eye out for other stuff. G-R-I-F-F-I-D-P-A-D at Mr. Mitch George. Now's the fun part where we're going to tell you all about the next episode. Uh, We're going to try to be better about this going ahead. Uh, now that we are doing, you know, back content and not necessarily things coming out right around the corner. Did you say back or bad? I said back content. Okay, because the both of those terms can apply to our next episode. That's right, folks. We're finally doing something that we said we were going to do for a while. And I'm legitimately excited to talk about this movie, Mitch. We are going to be talking about the New Mutants. Now, you might ask yourselves, why the fuck are you guys talking about New Mutants? It's because it's our goddamn show. I don't know why I'm cursing this much about New Mutants, but I'm sure we will do it a lot more on that episode up next. Uh, Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for all of our other stuff. We will see you all then. But until then, folks, have a magical day.